We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Take your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Mark chapter, or excuse me, Luke chapter 5. You noticed when you opened your handout this morning, there is no outline, just the scriptures and a bunch of lines. The purpose and the reason behind that is I believe God's going to speak to you something today that is specific and personal, and I want you to write it down. Because we're going to talk about attitudes that have to change in order to receive new wine. As you're turning to Luke chapter 5, I want to remind you that Tuesday evening, 7 o'clock, over at Evangel Assemblies of God is our community-wide prayer meeting. We want you to be a part of that. Come and pray with us for the crusade coming up June 7th through the 9th that will be right here at Christian Heritage Church. Let's believe God for an awakening, a move of God in our entire community. Would you do that with me, please? Amen. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 33, reading through verse 39. Then they said to him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees? But yours eat and drink. And he said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece of new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear, and also that piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new For he says, the old is better. Father, now add your anointing and your blessing to the preaching of your word. Speak directly into the heart of your people. Challenge us and change us through the power of the Spirit of God this morning. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. I want you to focus on that last verse this morning for just a couple of seconds. Verse 39. No one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new. For he says, the old is better. When you read that verse, it jumps off the page and it says to you, unless we're willing to change our attitudes, which change our tastes, we'll never receive the new things that God has for us. As long as we are in love with where we have been, we will never go to where God wants us to be. As long as we are happy with what we have already received, we will never advance to the place that we can receive something new and fresh and mighty from the living God. When we read the scripture, Jesus clearly says religious traditions will not get you to a new place in God. Your old attitudes will not get you to a new place in God. The things that perhaps you've embraced the entirety of your life thinking they were good enough simply are not because when you follow Jesus, every day should be a new day. Every moment should be a moment when we're receiving something fresh from the spirit of the living God. So we understand this passage deals with attitudes that must change if we're going to receive what God already has in store for us. And can I tell you that so many times our old attitudes, our old habits, the things we hold so tightly to are counterproductive to what God wants to do in our lives today. Have you ever met someone that holds on to those old things? Maybe it's an old hurt. I remember my Aunt Eveline, she was actually my great aunt, and she was my mom, my grandmother on my dad's side sister. 
And then Eveline loved to tell the story of when in 1933, they were building a church in that little community in western Oklahoma, and her husband wouldn't allow her to buy a pair of shoes that summer so he could give money to the church. Now, my grandma swears up and down that was not a true story. But Eveline had told it so often, so passionately, that she absolutely believed that was true. She held on to that old herd and that old offense. How many of you have ever met someone like that? They refuse to get past it. They refuse to get beyond it. They refuse to bury it and leave it in the past, but they carry it with them like a ball and chain everywhere they go. And every time they have an opportunity, they're telling you about that old thing. Oh, come on, church, you need to hear me this morning. There are some things in our lives that need to die. There are some things in our habits that need to pass away. There are some attitudes we embrace and hold tightly that we need to bury in an unmarked grave and walk on. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying you're never going to receive something new from God if you are caught up, bound by the old. You realize that this happens all the time. Churches split every day over music, over styles, over pastors. How ridiculous can we get? You see, we're not splitting over doctrinal issues. We're splitting over preferences. And when we split over preferences, we're divided over what I like and what I don't like. That is as ungodly as it can be. Amen. Come on, if you're a believer, you ought to be able to go into any culture, any language, and worship Jesus no matter what. I mean, we had services in Peru where the only instrument was an old bass drum, and they beat that thing constantly. Drove me nuts, but God was still there. But some of us would have said, I can't worship there. I don't like that. I don't like this newfangled music. I don't like that contemporary Christian stuff. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like something else. Get over yourself. Because until you do, you'll never receive the new wine that God has for you. You'll never advance into what God has already prepared for you. See, our attitudes drive our behaviors. This is what Jesus was addressing. The Pharisees were insisting on tradition... And Jesus was saying, you don't understand. I came to bring a whole new way. I came to fulfill the law and bring you something you've never been able to understand. He wanted to make it clear that the old was incapable of containing the new. And that's the point of this passage of Scripture. It's not really old versus new even, but it's flexibility versus rigidity. Today, we have got to be flexible in the church. I look across this congregation, and it thrills me to no end to see every race and every color and every creed and every language. It makes me want to jump up and down when Selene knows what it says on that screen, but my wife doesn't. Amen. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. See, this is what the church is supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like the community. So we need to understand if we are going to see God do a new thing in us, we've got to be flexible. We can't be like Maxine from Topeka, Kansas, who sat right there every service, throwed her back, had her purse and her coat beside her, and anytime anybody wanted to sit there, she would say no. Why? Because her husband sat beside her for 22 years, and then he died, so she's still saving his pot. Oh, come on, folks. It's time to be flexible. Let the dead bury the dead, and let's move on. Move on. So this morning, ask yourself this question. 
If there's one attitude in my life, just one, I don't have time to deal with all your issues, all right? We'll just deal with one. If there's only one attitude in my life that I could change, and if I changed it, it would revolutionize my walk with God, what would that be? What would that be? Just one attitude I could change, and it would revolutionize my life with God, what would that be? That's the question I want you to answer this morning. That's why you have all those blank lines in your outline. This is homework today. Would it be pride? Would it be bitterness? Would it be anger? Would it be rigidity? Would it be an adherence to my religious traditions? What would it be? Just one attitude. What would it be? See, in Acts chapter 10, you'll read the story of Peter being in the city of Joppa. And the Bible says he was hungry, so while they were preparing food, he went up on the rooftop to pray. And while he was praying, he had a vision. And in the vision, he saw a sheet lowered from heaven with all kinds of unclean animals. And God said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, oh, no, God, you know me. I've never touched an unclean thing. I wouldn't even think about doing that. Three times that vision was repeated. And then it says Peter woke up. And he was pondering on these things. What does this mean? You see, his religious tradition was keeping him from moving into a new realm and a new arena. Oh, come on, somebody hear me today. You are so stuck in your religion, you can't receive the new wine that God has for you. It's time to hear God say, get over it and move on. And while he was praying and thinking about these things, some men came from Caesarea, the household of Cornelius, who happened to be a Gentile. Now realize, to this time, the gospel hadn't been preached to the Gentiles. Jesus was a Jew. The disciples were Jews. They were preaching to the Jews. They weren't thinking about those folks out there. Even though, what were the last words of Jesus? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Start in Jerusalem, then go to Judea, then Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the world. Even though he said that, they really hadn't applied it. So suddenly, here's a challenge. Go to this Gentile's house, preach the gospel to them. And when he went and preached the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And he said, surely the good news has came to the Gentiles as well. But it all started because God challenged his tradition. God challenged his belief system. Look at John chapter 11. Yvonne referred to it early. It's a story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus died. They sent for Jesus when he was sick, and he didn't come. So when Jesus showed up, Martha went to meet him. Mary stayed in the house. I want you to hear this, because this is some of us in this room this morning. Mary wouldn't even go out to meet him. She stayed in the house. She was sitting and she was sulking. Yes, I know she was grieving. Her brother was dead. She was grieving. But more than that, she was mad at God. Jesus let her down. Come on, I'm talking to some of you in this room this morning. Because that's been your attitude. God let my husband die. God let my child go bad. God let me lose a job. God let me go bankrupt. Oh, come on, I'm here to tell you, you can't get mad at God and expect new wine from him. Mary was mad. She was upset. Jesus didn't come when he was supposed to come. He didn't do what she wanted him to do. Have you figured out yet that God doesn't always do what you want him to do? That God doesn't always jump when you say how high? Have you figured out yet that 
He really is God and you are not. See, because until you figure that out, you're going to find yourself mad at God. You're going to find yourself upset with Jesus. God offended her because he didn't respond to her timetable. Her sister Martha, she wasn't going to sit and sulk. She was an in-your-face kind of gal. So she went out to meet him. If you would have only been here, that's what she said. If you would have only been here, listen to me. She was responding from her revelation. She knew him as a healer. She knew him as a teacher. She knew him as a miracle worker. But she didn't know him as the son of the living God who is the resurrection and the life. She responded from a revelation. Oh, come on, folks. When you're in a hard spot, when you don't know what to do, understand you're in a position where God is saying, if you'll open your heart, I'm going to pour in some new wine. I'm going to broaden your revelation. I'm going to take you to a place you've never been. And you'll see things you've never seen if you'll simply open up to me. But if you resist, if you get mad, if you become confrontational, you may miss what God wants you to do. Why? Because he will never put new wine in an old wineskin. He will never waste what he's doing in someone who is inflexible and refuses to change. So Martha expanded, exploded on him from her revelation. But what did Jesus say? Don't worry, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now, she didn't get any part of that. It went right over her head. It took a little while later and a whole nother act before she understood what Jesus was saying. He was saying, you may think he's dead, but I'm going to speak life where death now exists. And he's going to come back to life. And I'm going to give your brother. Oh, somebody hear me this morning. In that thing that you think is dead, if you will just allow him, he can speak life and bring it back to you. He wants to do that in your heart and in your life. So what attitude has you bound in your current revelation? What has you stymied or stopped? In the place where you're at today. Because God doesn't want you to stay there. He wants to pour in some new wine. But he's got to remove that attitude. You've got to break down that wall to give him that opportunity. Think about Mark chapter 2. There were four guys who were Jesus was in Capernaum in the house. So they had a friend that was paralyzed. And they went and got him. And they carried him to the house. But when they got there, the house was completely full and they couldn't get in. Most of us would have gave up at that point. Must not be the right time. We'll come back tomorrow. Maybe it's just not God's will for our friend to be healed today. They're not these four. What did they do? They crawled up on the roof. They tore the roof apart. And they lowered the friend down in front of Jesus. Now this is where it gets interesting. Because when this paralyzed guy came down in front of Jesus, his need, according to his four friends, was to be healed, right? But what did Jesus say in Mark chapter 2? He didn't say, rise, take up your bed and walk. He said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Oh, you talk about things blowing up, heads exploding. That's what happened that day. What does he think he's doing? We know he's a healer. We know he's a prophet. We know he's a teacher. But only God can forgive sins. So he wanted to take him to a new place where they could receive some new wine. Where he can expand the revelation of who he is and what he can do. And they had to open their heart to do that. 
And then Jesus said to him, Arise, take up your bed and walk, because which is easier? Thy sins be forgiven thee, or arise, take up thy bed and walk. You see, he's telling us very clearly, I am the God who does all things. Oh, hear me this morning. You may be paralyzed spiritually, and he's saying to you, It's time to throw off the shackles, receive some new wine, and let me flow in your heart and in your life. Think about John chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. The pool of Bethesda. Jesus walked by it that day, and there was a guy who was lame, laying by the pool. And Jesus said, do you want to be healed? Now, what kind of a crazy question is that? Because he was there because he wanted to be healed, because every now and then, according to the tradition, an angel would show up and trouble the waters, and whoever got there first would be healed. And he said to him, Lord, I'd love to be healed, but I don't have anyone to get me in the water. Every time the waters are stirred and I start down, crawling down because I can't walk, I never get there in time. There's always someone in front of me. Oh, somebody hear this. That's your attitude. I'm never quick enough. I'm never good enough. I'm never in the right place at the right time. Do you know why you jump from church to church? Do you know why you follow preacher after preacher? Because you have never met the one who will touch you where you're at. Who can meet you in your moment of need. Because you think, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not quick enough. I don't have what it takes. So I'm here to tell you, if you know him as Lord and Savior, if you received him into your life, you don't have to hop from place to place and church to church and preacher to preacher. He shows up in your living room and does good things in you. He said, I don't have anybody to get me in the water. I can't get there fast enough. Somebody's always in front of me. Can you hear that sad song? Can you hear that pity song? Some of you need to get rid of that spirit of pity. You need to cast it out this morning. Quit feeling sorry for yourself and let the master do a work in your life today. Quit feeling sorry for yourself and let the master touch you and make you whole today. I am so sick and... Okay, Lord, I'm going to say it. I am so sick and tired of people who think they're special because they've been wounded. Oh, bless God. My heart is so hurt. Do you know what that person did to me? Would you get over it? Would you just move on? What happened 35 years ago or 35 minutes ago needs to be buried at the cross and we move forward. Or you will never hear me. Never receive the new wine. Why? Because God won't put new wine in an old wineskin. He refuses to do it. Think about Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. The story is Jesus eating dinner, and a Canaanite woman approaches him. A Canaanite woman was an outcast, a reject, another ethnicity, not as good as the Jews. She came to him and she said, Master, my daughter is demon-possessed, but you can set her free. What did he say? He said, my calling is to the Jews only. Oh, my goodness. Did you hear what Jesus said to her? He said, you're the wrong color. You're from the wrong group. You speak the wrong language. You're not one of the right folks, so I'm not going to help you. Can you believe that? Jesus said that. 
Oh, come on, somebody needs to hear me. You have been living in the offense because you were born the wrong color your entire life. I don't care if your skin is black or white or pink or brown. God loves you. He'll set you free. He'll deliver you if you'll get past that stinking thinking. It's time to stop playing that card every time something goes wrong. Every time you have a bone to pick. And it's time to move forward. You say, wow, you're pretty brave. Listen, I'm an American Indian. I kind of like the term Indian. I want, it, I want you to know that. I grew up a half-breed in western Oklahoma. It's not popular. I get it. I understand. I understand. But I also understand when I come to the cross, I am changed from the inside out. My attitudes are changed. The way I think is changed. The way I perceive people is changed. So, Zelene, I can say to you, you may be from Mexico, but I love you because you're my sister in the Lord. I can say to you, Louis, you may be an African-American man, but I love you because you're my brother in the Lord. It is time to allow this nonsense to die in the church of Jesus Christ. Stop accepting everything the world is feeding you. Let it die. Let it be gone because God will never put new wine in an old wineskin. Read that story. Jesus said, I can't give the children's bread to the dogs. He called her a dog. He insulted her ethnicity. What did she say? She said, "Uh, you don't get it. I know who you are, and I'm not going to be turned away. And she said, I had a revelation. And the revelation said, it doesn't matter if I'm from Canaan or if I'm from uh, the backside of Egypt. The revelation is, you're going to do something for me because I'm asking you. She wouldn't be put off. She said, even the, even the dogs get the bread from the children's table. And what did Jesus say? He said, wow, woman, I've never seen such great faith. Be it done unto you. And that very moment, read it, it's in the scripture. At that very moment, her daughter was set free. Oh, come on, somebody hear me. You want to be set free? It's time to get beyond the thinking that says, I'm abused. I'm put down. I'm not good enough. And step up to the master's table and say, give me what you have to offer. Attitudes that need to die attitudes that need to die in order to receive new wine. Don't tell me I was born to the wrong family. Don't tell me my skin's not the right color. Don't tell me my native tongue isn't the right language. Don't tell me I was born in the wrong part of the world. No, I've come to tell you this morning, Jesus is no respecter of persons. And he loves you as much as he loves me. He loves you as much as he loves the greatest preacher on the planet. Maybe even more. Because you probably don't have the ego problems he has. Amen. Say amen or say oh me. I don't care. So we've got to come to the place where those attitudes die so we can receive new wine. One more. Okay, thank you. One more. Acts chapter 9. His name was Saul, member of the Sanhedrin. He hated this new movement called the way. He hated those that were following Jesus. Acts 9.1 says that he went before the Sanhedrin, breathing out threatenings and slaughter. He stood by and held the garments of those who killed Stephen, the first martyr of the church. He gave his approval. 
And then with arrest warrants in his hand, there were no names, just arrest warrants. When he found them, he'd write their name in. Does that sound a little shady to you? Does to me. When he found the believers, he'd write their names in and haul them off to jail. They'd be beaten. Many of them would be killed. And that was his passion in life. But in Acts 9, on the road to Damascus, Jesus interrupted him. You know the story. A bright light shined down from heaven, knocked him to his feet or to the ground. And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And he revolutionized his life. He turned him upside down. Even though he had the full force of religion behind him, Jesus had another plan. Listen to me, it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. We serve a God who's able to change you from the inside out. He's able to transform you from the inside out. He's able to do dynamic things in your life and make you a new creature regardless of where you've been or what you've done. So let me come right back to it, the question we began with. What one attitude in your life you would change and it would completely revolutionize your walk with God? Is it your pride? Is it your bitterness? Is it your anger? Is it your rigidity? Is it your religion? What is it that's stopping you from receiving new wine? Because God will never put new wine in an old wineskin. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, in this room this morning, speak to hearts and lives. Touch people right now by the power of the Spirit of God. Convince them and convict them of their need of a Savior, of their need of Jesus. Do your work deep in their hearts right now. Give them courage and strength to respond to you. And Father, I now pray for believers in this room. I pray that you give us the courage to confront ourselves and say, this attitude needs to go. This habit needs to go. This lifestyle needs to go. This belief needs to go. Because I want to receive some new wine from Jesus Christ. I'm tired of the old. And I'm ready for some new. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. You're in this room this morning and you say, Preacher, more than anything, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I need to be forgiven. I need my life changed. I want to know that when I leave this room this morning, my sins have been washed away through Jesus Christ and I'm on my way to heaven. That's you. Slip your hand up right where you stand. I'm not waiting long. That's you. Slip your hand up. I'm praying for you. Yes, someone else. I'm not waiting long. Someone else. That's you. That's you. Someone else. Yes, I see you. Someone else. Yes, Seth. Someone else. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church... We invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 1030, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com